Hi, my name is Tara Linney, and I'm having a seat at the table with Wiley Brazier. Come have a seat at the table. You've got a seat at the table. Welcome everyone to A Seat at the Table. I am your host, Wiley Brazier V. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome, welcome, welcome. This show has three themes where we discuss education, technology, and entrepreneurship. I hope you find value in it and consider subscribing to listen in for future episodes. For all of you returning listeners, I am truly thankful that you have found value and have joined me at the table again. I've got a lot in store, and today we have another phenomenal guest. She is Miss Tara Lenny. Hello, Tara. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am absolutely phenomenal and delighted to have you at the table here today. I'm going to tell everyone a little bit about Tara if you don't know her already. Tara Lenny is an award-winning, innovative, educational technology coach that has been recognized for her work in teaching computer programming, global collaborations in education, and educational coaching. As a coach, Tara has guided educators on developing interdisciplinary learning opportunities, allowing their students to leverage prior knowledge in the learning of new concepts. Part of Lenny's recent work includes integrating sustainable development goals into education, finding places of overlap within the C3 framework, the NGSS standards, and Common Core State Standards using the ISTE Student Standards to support how in the learning process. She is currently based in Singapore, working at the Singapore American School, and this summer she'll be moving to Paris to work at the American School of Paris. Lenny is the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Code Equity, King Girls to Cody, available on May 30th. Tara, welcome again to the show. Thank you for having a seat at the table with the audience and I today. So I want to dive right into it, okay? Um, let's talk about this book. What inspired the book and why is there a need for it? So there are a lot of different points of inspiration that led me to write the, um, that led me to, into actually writing the book. It's been an idea that I've had for the last four years. And um, I think what really pushed it over the edge for me was um, coming out here to Singapore and starting a coding club and having 24 boys sign up and one girl. And I'm like, whoa, there's a major gender equity issue in this topic. Um, so yeah, that was a major inspiration to like start ide ideating around writing it. Um, and then what really pushed me was this summer, well last summer, uh, summer of 2017, I was presenting a session at ISTE on Girls Can Code and uh, one of the participants came up crying and she was like, this is like exactly what I needed to hear. Like these, 
you know, I see the same problem in my class and that made me realize that it's not just a, a problem in one school, it's a problem that's throughout um, and that's throughout the tech industry. So you said that there were 24 boys and one girl sign up. Now that mm -hmm. was at your school there in Singapore. You know, yes. is that a, a great disparity from people that you've spoken to here uh, in the U.S. as well? It's pretty consistent across the board. So, of course, there are pockets where there is equality in terms of girls and boys signing up for these clubs or um, taking any interest in computer science at all. Um, but oftentimes what happens, I've talked to my fellow educators and I've had people on Facebook even say, hey, I've got this middle school club and it's set up on coding and I've had all boys sign up and not a single girl. And so it's definitely something, and that person was based in California. So it's definitely something that doesn't have like a country or culture around it. Um, it's definitely something that you see everywhere uh, to different degrees. Wow, okay. So you know what, we jumped right into the book <laughs> and you know, there are some people that really don't even know what coding is, okay? So I don't want to assume that everyone listening knows what coding is. So can you just tell the audience what exactly, like what is coding? So coding is the stuff that happens that we don't necessarily see. So like we have smartphones and different apps that work and there's coding that goes into making those things work. There's coding behind websites. Um, anybody who's used the old school Google sites knows that there's coding like when you write the scripts or that's done anything with WordPress, like that's all coding. So um, when we talk about coding in, in education, it's not necessarily jumping right into the script-based coding like JavaScript and Python and Ruby and those different languages. Um, but what it is, is it's getting students to think around computational thinking. So like the process of breaking down problems into smaller pieces to better be able to solve them um, through critical thinking and through collaboration and communication. Um, because when we look at 2030, when in 2030, our current kindergartners are going to be 18, right? They're going to be the next workforce, which is crazy. Um, one of the skills that they're going to need is to be a creative problem solver because not all problems have the same solution. And so what coding does is it allows students to dive into that creative problem solving where there isn't necessarily one correct way to get to an answer. That's cool, that is cool. So, so you just spoke about, you know, the kindergartners and being the class of 2030 and, you know, how coding helps kids to uh, solve problems. So then in the future as these kindergartners are growing and, and, and the future is coming nearer, where do you see uh, coding playing a, a, a role in the future of education and in society and in business as a whole? I think that as our economy starts to become more digitized, um, like for example, here in Singapore, the we have like different hawker stations and hawkers are like basically food courts that are out in the open. Okay. And there's one right down the road from me. And whenever I go to the post office, 
I've, it's right near the Hawker station. I've noticed that there is a robotic um, cart, uh, sorry, a robotic tray carrier. It looks like a robot, but it has a lot of compartments for trays. Hmm. And so it comes up to people and says, hey, if you're done, please put your tray in here. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And wow. it just travels around the food court. <laughs> wow. Right? Um, so there's that. And there's like all of these things. So like people are starting to use their credit cards more than they use cash. Well, there's digital digi digitization that goes behind that. And it's important that students are aware of what that looks like to create um, rather than just what it looks like to consume. Because yeah, they're our future. And so if we're going to have them running companies and um, making apps or even like work, working in a globalized world, they need to know how those different softwares interact um, and maybe how to go about building their own to best optimize the system. From the workforce to your wallet, sounds like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, coding is going to be a bit, play a major role in our society. And I, you know, I really didn't think about how much a lot of the things that we interact with just require coding. You know, even sitting here thinking about my wife's car and, you know, she's got the computer and all that stuff in it. So I'm sure that there's some coding that went into even our automobiles now. Um, so, so then with that being said, you know, like how can we begin to, you know, pique kids' interest into coding? Because, you know, you know, you think of, dealing with code and, and writing code and HTML and, you know, Python and Ruby and all these different languages that you just named. Um, you know, you're sitting there at a computer. And so how can we interest kids, you know, and, and especially girls to enter into this coding realm? Um, so starting from a super young age, you can work with block-based programs. Um, and with block-based programming, it's like Scratch um, and Tinker and Code.org have a whole bunch of great examples of them. Um, there's a, like it would take forever for, for me to list all of the companies that do block-based. Um, but what block-based coding does is it allows students to understand the logic of the program. Um, instead of jumping right into the scripts and the syntax. So logic is first, and logic is something that can be transferred over into different curricular areas. Um, then when they get into the syntax, that's more higher order thinking of where does this comma go? Where does this apostrophe go? Um, why isn't my code working because I didn't indent it? Um, and things like that. So for like elementary through maybe early middle school, block-based coding is a really easy way to start. Um, and there are programs that integrate with math. So like whether you do Common Core math or whether you do some other type of math, at some point in an elementary child's life, they need to learn about angles. Um, with Common Core, that's fourth grade. And so first they define what an angle is and then they relate angles to the formation of shapes. Well, when you work with things like Scratch and things like code.org, um, code they have a lot of programs where either you can make your own or you can solve puzzles relating to how to code a parallelogram. Um, and for that, students need to understand length and they need to understand angles and complementary and supplementary. So 
that's just one way of integrating within the math curriculum instead of having coding being its own thing or one more thing. Okay. So then I know we mentioned at the beginning of the show that the book comes out May 30th, right? Yep. Okay. So where will the book be available? Number mm -hmm. one. And then what can people expect to get from the book? So the book will be available on Amazon, on Amazon for starters. Um, and it should be available in most countries on Amazon. And then the book is actually broken up into four parts. So uh, going into the writing of this book, I realized that there are a lot of coding books that are coming out or that have come out in the last couple of years. And um, they focus on teaching coding, but they don't focus on the gender equity aspect of teaching coding and how to really get the girls involved um, and how to kind of balance out the playing field starting in the classroom. Because if we don't start in schools, then by the time they get into their professional lives, it's almost too late. Um, so the book starts off, like in part one, it starts off about um, understanding gender inequity and where that exists. Um, and then part two focuses on the best practices for achieving gender equity in teaching programming. Um, and then part three focuses on opportunities to get girls into coding specifically. And part four is the um, curriculum integration with coding and some different tools that are out there. So it's a, it's a book full of great information, but also broken up into sections based on what um, an educator's interest is. That is great. That is great. And, and you know, I, I've had the pleasure to be able to get a, an early release copy. Um, and I have got to go ahead and dig into it because I've been asked to help support um, a, an, an engineering summer camp that they're going to be uh, trying to implement some things. So I'm hoping to uh, glean a little knowledge so that I can recruit and try to help with this diversity uh, in coding and in STEM. So you just sparked my interest when you were talking about the robot there in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, what are some of the major like differences? Because, you know, from what I understand, you know, once you cross the sea, there are a lot of things that are a lot more advanced when it comes to technology and, you know, things of that nature. What are some of like the, some of the differences that you've seen overseas as opposed to being in the U.S.? Um, I would say here in Singapore and in a lot of places that I've been to in Asia, the innovation is more out loud. So what I've seen in the US is that yes, innovation happens, but it's in like the cloud or it's at conferences, like it's in these little bubbles. Um, here in Singapore, they have, uh, there's something called Gardens by the Bay. And it's all of these, they're not actual, it's not an actual garden. It's an electronic garden with like flowers that light up. And it's gorgeous. Like if you just Google it, it's, it's gorgeous. So like the way in which art interlaces with technology out here is just beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't really see too much of that in the US. Like sometimes there'll be a show here and there, but out here it's pretty consistent. And they have this really cool light up show that happens um, a couple of times a year where they do filmmaking like on the wall of this brick building and people just gather around and watch it. Like it happens at nighttime and it's hard to describe, but it's like this whole play plays out as a light show on a building. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Sounds definitely cool. So, so then uh, getting back to uh, coding, cause it sounds like even with that light show that there's coding that goes into some of that as well. So, you know, in addition to um, the book being a, a, a great guide and a resource for getting girls into coding, do you have any other uh, resources um, that you know of that can help spark girls' interest in coding? Definitely. So this book in particular is geared towards educators. Um, there are a lot of books that are geared towards girls. So one of the important things to keep in mind with girls is that passion or sorry, purpose drives passion. So if they can see the purpose in doing something, then they're more likely to grasp onto doing it. And if it makes a difference, a difference in somebody's life, like some type of positive change or some type of impact, um, then that's going to help them really hone in on learning how to code. Um, so there's a couple of really great books. Um, there are uh, Good, Night, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls, which they just came out with their second book. That's really great and it has a whole bunch of amazing stories about women, not only in tech, but in different STEM fields um, that are like bedtime stories for girls, which is really great. Um, Hello Ruby is one of my favorite books because it, they, the book has a really cool story that uses a lot of coding language in it. And then at the back of the book are a list of activities for girls to, com um, to com complete after reading different chapters. And then Girls Who Code is primarily targeted to middle school girls, middle school and high school girls, but they're in the process of coming out with a series of books. I think they've just released their first two or three. Um, and I think they've got eight in their collection that they're coming out with. And those are more geared towards um, those like preteen to teenage girls and getting them interested in coding. And, and code equity, keying girls into coding. Who's the target audience for your book? So my target audience would be educators. It would be current practicing educators, um, administrators, and pre-service teachers, um, because the book focuses on those strategies for creating those equitable learning environments for both girls and boys. And it also focuses on key programs to get girls into coding. So. The strategy section is something that can be used across different STEM fields, and it doesn't just have to be um, when teaching coding, it could be when teaching math, it could be when teaching science, um, pretty much across the board. So yeah, my book is definitely geared to educators. Okay, great. So then a lot of these colleges that are trying to, that are working with these pre-service teachers and as they enter into uh, the workforce, can use your book as a as a resource to help train train teachers future teachers in order to help diversify coding or the stem fields as well most definitely cool 
All right. So during every time that I bring someone here to the virtual table, you know, we talk shop. We have we have some some professional questions, and we get to and we get to know all about their their talents and their treasure. And so we also transition into some different table questions. So we kind of get a little personal here. So at this time we're going to kind of transition into that so um, um the first question that i am going to ask you uh is what would constitute a perfect day for you oh let's see a perfect day so a perfect day would be waking up as the sun is waking up I could go to work that day, that's totally fine. Um, but while I'm at work, seeing aha moments from not just like the teachers, but also the students, like those eureka moments of them figuring something out, maybe with a little bit of guidance, maybe completely on their own, but I just love seeing those light bulbs go off. And then um, leaving work at a time where the sun is still out <laughs> and okay. having a coconut on the beach. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. So, so then when you wake up on this perfect day, when you wake up tomorrow, if you could gain one ability or one quality, what would it be? Uh, let's see. So if I could gain an ability or a quality, not if like, I could have something because if I could have something, it would be a 36 hour day. So then I guess that transposes into um, a stronger ability to multitask, even though neurologically it's not like the best thing to do. I would still like to do that better than I do that now. <laughs> cool, cool. So then, you know, if you could live until the age of 90, Mm -hmm. and retain either the mind of a 30-year-old or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life. <laughs> Which one would you want? That is easy. The mind of a 30-year-old. And actually, the mind of someone maybe younger than 30. Um, my, gr my grandmother's sister is 94 years old. And whenever I call her or talk to her, she sounds like she's 21. So she looks really good for her age, not 30, but I'd say like maybe 60. Um, but her, her mind is so active and that's what I want when I get to be that old. Cool, so, so what are some of your goals for the future? Uh, goals, that's tricky. Um, so currently, my short-term goal, which is going to end up being a long-term goal, is to learn French because I'm moving to Paris, and there you have to learn French. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, poquito. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little bit better there. Um, let's see. I guess another goal would be to uh, travel to all seven continents. So Antarctica is going to be tricky. Africa should be easy once I'm in Europe. I've already done Asia, Australia, South America, North America. Yeah, I've technically done Europe. So it's just Africa and 
um, the South Pole, Antarctica. Um, yeah, and then get married and have kids at some point and write two more books that are already in the process. Cool, cool. So, mm -hmm. so you already have some follow-ups. Are they going to be follow-ups to this book or are they going to be something different? No, so they're going to be something different. I'm trying to figure out the spacing in between them. So one I'm uh, co-writing is integrating sustainable development goals into educational standards um, so that teachers see that overlap and are e easily able to be like, oh, I could do this with my students because it fits with NGSS or because it fits with the C3 social studies framework. Um, and then another book, which is probably going to be like a group um, book, is going to be um, transitioning from tech teaching to tech coaching. And then that might have a couple of um, iterations, like from coaching to leading or something like that. Cool, cool. That's great. That's great to hear. Great to hear. All right. So then before we go, can you either tell us, you know, I always have everyone who comes on the show because we are at a virtual table and when we are at the table, people, we talk, we tell jokes, we tell stories. And so before we go here, I would like you to either tell us a joke or tell us a, a quick story. It can be from whatever your experience is, um, but either a joke or a story. You up for that? Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so a very humbling joke slash story is um, in learning French, when you use Duolingo, you can give feedback on the questions and like if they have a typo or something like that, you can go and like report that. Um, I was a little overconfident and I was practicing one day and it came up with the time and it said something like um, the clock showed one o'clock and I wrote like un o'clock or something because like un means one. And so I transposed it into meaning that's one o'clock. And then it told me that trays was the right answer. And I was like, uh-uh, because trays means three. No, trois means three. <laughs> it's un, deux, trois. Trays actually means 13. And on the military time, which is a 24-hour cycle, 13 is the same as one o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. And, and you know, a moment ago, you know, also Trey is three in Spanish in mm -hmm. Espanol. <laughs> and a moment ago, when when I said "parlez-vous français," <laughs> you replied back "un poquito." <laughs> That's a little in Spanish. <laughs> and, and during that, I should have actually said "un petit." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. So, so any last thoughts or parting words before we uh, give out some contact information? Um, no, it's really just you know when you're when you're doing coding, when you're doing anything in the classroom, understanding that there is a difference between girls and boys, um, and making sure that you're not calling on the same student multiple times or that you're not calling on the first student who raises their hand and really giving girls the opportunity to digest information and to um, then show what they know 
without it having to be perfect every single time, I think that's super important as we move forward in education. All right, so then where can people go to purchase your book uh, and learn more about you and connect with you online? So I'll answer the questions backwards. Um, so on Twitter, I'm just my name, so Tara Linney. Um, and then if you hit me up on Twitter and more, I respond quicker than I do on email. <laughs> um, and then for purchasing my book, right now it's in pre-order. And so you can purchase either the ebook or the paperback through Amazon. And it's under the title Code Equity. Great. So Tara, it has been a pleasure having you here today. Thank you for having a seat at the table today and sharing your time talents and your treasure with me and the world to everyone tuning in thank you for participating in this conversation and like a home cooked meal i hope this show has nourished your body and your mind so until next time with me you will always have a seat at the table thank you tara thank you